I think there's no high quite like your first big travel experience. And then everything after that kind of seems, you know, easier. I, I think I lost the fear after that. And I just want to shake people sometimes that say, oh, I could never do that. I'm too scared. I'm too this. I, I just want to fucking shake them and be like, no, you can. I promise you it's so good. Once you just get over that fear, get through the challenge, everything you want is on the other side of your fear. This is the Seasonals Podcast, a show where we talk to people living the seasonal lifestyle. We take an in-depth look at the decision points they've encountered along the way. I'm here with Miranda Grant today. How are you, Miranda? I am well. How are you? Good. Very good. Where are you? I'm actually, for once in my life, at home, uh, which is Woodinville, Washington. Woodinville, Washington. Where Where in the state is that? Uh, it's like 30 minutes north of Seattle. So typically, if I meet people around the world or anywhere, I just say that I'm from Seattle. It makes it a lot easier. Yeah. How far from Bellingham are you? Um, if I'm driving the speed limit, an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> when I was a lot younger in high school, we'd go up to, uh, to Bellingham for parties and whatnot, and we'd try and get there as fast as possible and usually make it in about an hour is kind of crazy to think about now yeah yeah as the adult that now drives you're like wait, <laughs> yeah. wait a second what happened there <laughs> so let me let me ask you this one how do you answer the question what do you do Ooh, that's a good good question it's kind of um, morphed into different things over the years but currently when people ask me that in a nutshell i i work on cruise ships and Currently, I am teaching uh, Microsoft Windows 10 classes, but it hasn't always been that way. Um, but yeah, generally, I, I just work on cruise ships and in between, I, I travel. Run me through your like work-life schedule over the last year. Start wherever you want and just go through like the places and things you experienced as general as you want. And then I'll just ask about specifics if I need to. Yeah, absolutely. So. I actually took a break from cruising from ships and I just went back about a year ago. So that's actually a good place to start. I got back on ships, um, let's see, at the end of February. And my first contract back was actually going to Hawaii and French Polynesia. So when I say contract, um, when you work on a cruise ship, you generally work, you know, X amount of time and then you have X amount of time off. So depending on what your job is on the ship, uh, you can work up to nine or 10 months at a time and then have one or two months off. Or if you're extremely lucky, like I am, I generally only work 
three to four months and I get one to two months off depending. So this contract that I took coming back from my little hiatus was about three and a half months long. And we started in San Diego and cruised literally over to Hawaii where we kind of went to a few ports there. Um, Took like six days to get to, where do we go? I think Oahu first from San Diego. So it requires a lot of patience, a uh, minor sort of jet lag and getting used to time zone differences. But from there, we went to basically made our way down to French Polynesia. And all of this, keep in mind, is over 30 days. So this cruise in particular was, I think, 28 days long. So we start in San Diego and end it in San Diego. So as we're making our way down to French Polynesia, we just stop in all of these pretty remote places along the way that honestly, when you get there, it's kind of unbelievable that such a giant ship can even go there or go to these places. You know, we got to go to places like Bora Bora and Morea, uh, which was probably my favorite island. But it's pretty surreal when you essentially pull up to these islands and, you know, you meet these people that it just must seem so strange, you know, like this giant floating object coming to their tiny island and all these uh, tourists getting off the ship, which my cruise line that I work for uh, gears towards probably 50 and older. So we get a lot of older people that get to experience these tiny little islands just dotted out in the middle of nowhere, which is really exciting. So that was my first cruise back. And it was pretty special because I, I hadn't been to French Polynesia before. And I think everybody at least once in their life wants or thinks about going to Bora Bora. So to be able to do that was pretty incredible. When we got back to San Diego from that cruise, we went down to Mexico. So that's more of like a party style cruise because it's only seven days long. So people are there to kind of turn and burn. Like they want to spend money. They want to drink. They want to party. People are getting kicked off the ship sometimes because they can't contain themselves. Like it's actually pretty hilarious. So (laughs) we we call those kind of the party cruises because it's like you just kind of get it done with and it's a lot of fun. So we did that and went back to Hawaii and then I was done. It actually went by super fast because these cruises were typically pretty long in length. And then... After that, I had about five weeks off. So honestly, this is the best part of having this job is the amount of time that you get off. So generally in between contracts, I'm traveling. I I don't spend a lot of time at home, which uh, believe it or not, my family is actually super supportive of. (laughs) And if I spend longer than three weeks at home, they kind of get a little bit worried about me thinking something's wrong. But um, typically on my breaks, I I just 
travel. I go see places I haven't been, or I go visit friends that I've met from cruising or other travels. And then you get back on a ship and it's kind of a love hate at this point because you're enjoying your time off. You don't really want to go back to work. You literally have no responsibilities because you're not on the ship. And when you're on the ship, something that people don't realize when they ask me about my job is I think they have this idea that I'm just partying all the time and, and, you know, getting to see all these really cool remote places, which is definitely part of it. But there's also, you know, sort of curfews set in place, if you will. Like, for example, um, when we were in Bora Bora, we were there overnight. So we arrived at 7 a.m. in the morning and we didn't leave until 6 p.m. or so the next day. But I have working hours and everybody on the ship, except for some, you know, dancers, singers, certain occupations on the ship, they don't get much time off. So when we're in a port, if we don't have to work, we absolutely try and make the best of it. You know, you have to be back at a certain time and sometimes people definitely take it a little too hard. We've had a lot of um, passengers as well as workers come back to the ship literally in wheelchairs because they can't freaking stand up. They've been drinking too much or, you know, these Mexico party cruises. It's not only a party for the passengers, but it's also a party for us. And so, you know, (laughs) you go to the beach bars and there's dance contests and you win buckets of beer and just alcohol, alcohol, alcohol. So yeah, a lot of people have come back to the ship just absolutely annihilated and it's absolutely hilarious and fun. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people just don't realize it's, it's more than that. You know, we've got, for me, I have teaching hours, so I have to work X amount of hours per day and Uh, We have another thing called IPM, which is in-port manning. And basically it requires a certain amount of people to be on the ship at all times. So we don't always get to get off the ship and enjoy the places that we are. But when we do get off the ship, we absolutely take advantage. Um, Well, I'd say like 80% do. I think the other 20% try and find a cafe somewhere and get free Wi-Fi. So they can message people back home and that sort of thing. It's it's a pretty surreal lifestyle, to be fair. For example, like the the next cruise that I did uh, was mostly Alaska, which is really awesome because that's where I got to see you. Right. That's that's the awesome part. Yeah, it's like <laughs> two different sort of seasonal type jobs come together, and uh, it's really cool because a lot of the places that we go to are super far away, like French Polynesia. So you can't really build a rapport with some of the people there, but then. And you're only there hear, for say one, one day. Yeah. Whereas with yeah. Alaska, you're going back and forth. Absolutely. And you know, you get your favorite bars, you get your favorite cafes, you get your favorite bartenders named Joey. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's totally different when you're cruising in familiar places 
because you get to know the places and you get to meet people and, you know, build friendships really, and and really get to know the place. So, um, Alaska was next up and I'm not going to lie. It's difficult because it's monotonous and it's the same thing every single week. And the cruises are typically one week long. So it's new faces every week and everybody's on a high at all times. And most jobs on the ship, you don't have days off. So you never really get a moment to sort of chill. <laughs> you're always on and, and it's exhausting. Yeah. You're always on display and you know, you have to look your best. And even if you don't feel your best, you, you always have to kind of, you know, fake it till you make it sort of thing. And there's just not a lot of privacy, but in turn, you get to see all these incredible places and meet incredible people. In the end, I think it makes it all worth it. You know, you, you work your freaking ass off for three or four months or even longer at a time. And then you get to disconnect and, you know, be yourself, do your own thing when you're on vacation. So it's an extremely unique lifestyle, but I honestly wouldn't trade it for the world. It's one of those things where I'm, I, I truly am living my dream lifestyle, which I didn't know was my dream lifestyle at the time. When I sit back and sort of reflect on where I've been and how much I've done, it's kind of astounding to me. And it's, it's just incredible. I feel so fucking lucky. I've been doing this job since 2011 on and off. And I actually got started from a college professor of mine. I, I was in the recreation and tourism program at Western uh, in Bellingham. And she had this connection on cruise ships. So that's how I even got into this lifestyle was this professor of mine. And she absolutely changed my life with it. Um, and I started doing a job that I am not going to lie. I fucking hated at the time, but it was working with kids on the ship. And I say I hate it, but honestly, I, I really enjoyed it because it was a lot of fun and you build some really amazing friendships in that program. But it was really kind of hectic. It was a lot of work. It could be stressful at times, but it's what got my foot in the door with, with this, this industry. And I honestly couldn't be happier. It, it's absolutely changed my life. But one of the things that I think people in this industry don't really talk about is how lonely it can feel living that lifestyle. Like even being surrounded by people all the time, like you are, and you're kind of always on this high because you're going out every night, you're working with people from all over the world. And, you know, I'm from the States. And when I work on the ship, I'm one of the only people from America, right? From North America. And it's pretty awesome, but at times can be a little bit lonely. And I think anybody that's a seasonal worker or does something like this, they can all tell you that it's not all it cracks up to be basically. But 
I think more than anything, it is worth it in the end because, I mean, look at the stuff we get to do and see. It's There's like nothing else in this world like it. And I really, really just don't want to take that for granted. Yeah. My, my friend Stephen gave a commencement speech not too long ago. And he, sort of the idea behind it is that in life, you, the choices of life are choosing how to suffer. And he used himself as an example. He's in the corporate world and super high up there. And he used me as an example because I'm sort of the opposite. And he talks yeah. about how, you know, I gave up, a lot of financial or whatever securities and a lot of um, locational things to do what I do because that's what it was what was important to me. And I think that reflects what you're saying is anybody that works seasonally at least, you know, half the year or whatever they, there, there are those moments where it's either loneliness or you're thinking about the other side and where you could be, when like, say you're, you're visiting home and you're not to the point where you're tired of it yet. And you're like, Oh man, this could be, you know, I could, I could do something like this. And then it's, it's just a lot of that every once in a while. And so, yeah, I definitely, I I feel what you're saying. And I, I agree. It's almost everyone I think in the seasonal lifestyle has that feeling, but then once you're doing your thing and you're out there and like you said, living your best life, that makes it worth it you've chosen how to suffer and that suffering is worth it for the moments that you have where you're doing exactly what you want to do. Totally. I absolutely love that. The choosing your suffering. I read something recently about that as well. And it goes hand in hand with this lifestyle for sure. Um, I think anybody in life can relate to the whole, the grass is always greener on the other side saying, and it's true. Like, I I can't tell you how many people have randomly messaged me or um, kind of sought advice from me about it and just kind of telling me things like, oh man, you have this dream lifestyle. You, you live this dream life. And they mention dream, dream, dream all the time. But I turn around and I tell them, you know, I chose this. It's not like I got, I mean, I did get lucky in a way, but I I chose this lifestyle and honestly you could too anybody could it's just a matter of kind of getting over that fear that some of us have in regards to leaving our bubbles behind and it is scary and you know people message me all the time ask me about it do you regret anything or I could never do what you're doing and blah 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 and I just kind of have to sit back and think well, I don't regret anything. I mean, this has been incredible. It's absolutely broken me open in the best way and has really expanded my mind in ways I didn't even know was possible. But anybody is capable of doing this. And just like you were saying, you have to choose your own suffering. And this is my fucking suffering. And I don't think people understand that unless they've done it themselves. And it's really hard to kind of come home and want to talk about these things that are real issues to people that travel and spend most of their time away from home. Yet you find that you've changed 
right? You come home and, and you've changed, but nothing else has. And you try and talk to even your closest friends that you think will understand, but they don't. And you'll notice, I mean, I've noticed personally anyways, that when I first started traveling and I would fuck off for months at a time and I'd come home just ecstatic to talk to people about it and, you know, tell them about all the little stories and things that happened. And I realized like after a minute of me talking, their eyes are searching the room or, you know, they're looking somehow to kind of change the subject. And I remember when I was younger, I used to get kind of offended by it. But as I sort of continued in this life and, you know, every time I come home, I just realized that it's not offensive at all. It's just, they can't relate. And I like, I can't really relate to their lives either, to be fair. So you know, I used to get offended when it would happen, but now I find that my friends that have kids, for example, they start to fucking talk about breastfeeding and I'm just sitting there like, uh, (laughs) I have nothing to contribute to that conversation, (laughs) you know? So you just realize like, yeah, maybe the grass is always greener on the other side, but I just don't think it is like, I know this is cliche, but you have to water your own lawn. And I don't know, you just, you do choose your suffering. And if you want to travel, you just have to do it. You just have to get over your fear. And I just truly believe that like the best things in life are on the other side of our fears. I was terrified, fucking terrified when I first started traveling. Um, And I don't really know why. I think it's just the fear of the unknown. But people don't really talk about that. And it's scary when you first go away for a long period of time. It's absolutely like, uh, I don't even know how to describe it other than and terrifying. But how did that like I, how did that show itself when you first started traveling? Like what were what were some of the symptoms you're thinking about now? Well, honestly, the the first thing that stands out to me and comes to mind is my trip to Ecuador. I I did an internship during university uh, to Ecuador and I had traveled before in the sense of like two weeks to Hawaii, you know, one week in Mexico, that sort of thing. I've done trips like that, but this was my first, I'm going to be gone for a really fucking long time trip. And at the time, three months seemed like an eternity to me. You know, I was still in college and in that bubble and I had my group of friends and we'd go out every night and blah, blah, blah. But I started packing for the internship. And I remember just thinking to myself, what the fuck am I doing? Who do I think I am that I can just go to this faraway place and live for three months. And I just let the fear creep in. And it was kind of bonkers because the closer the trip got, I was just almost frozen with fear. And I I don't really know what was spurring it, but I, I think I was just running all of the crazy scenarios that could possibly happen uh, through my head. You know, I'm going to get raped. I'm going to get mugged. I'm going to be kidnapped, whatever it may be. 
all these worst case scenarios coming to mind constantly. Yeah. And I think it's totally natural. You know, it's our body's defense mechanism at its best. And, but you know what? I, I got on the flight and I think that was the hardest part. I feel like I kind of blacked out, to be honest, going through the airport because in that moment I was in my fear and I was living it. It wasn't, going to happen anymore. It was happening. And I was just terrified. And on the plane, I just remember crying silently to myself, like, why am I leaving my friends? Why am I leaving my family? And going to this place that I don't know for three freaking months, blah, blah, blah. But as soon as I got there, as soon as I met my then boss for my internship, Um, and I got to see the country and I just remember driving from the Quito airport to Rio Bamba. And I can't remember how long the drive was, but I just remember seeing the volcanoes for the first time. It was, uh, Mount Chimborazo. And I just sat back in the car and just stared at this massive towering volcano and I immediately knew why I did it. And I, I, I felt at peace. And I think in that moment, my heart just completely opened up and my mind just completely opened up. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I only live once and I'm just going to take this experience for all that it is. All the good, all the bad. If I get mugged, cool. That'll be a story that I can tell later to my grandchildren or whatever. And I I, I really think that, you know, the challenges that we face traveling or potentially traveling, it makes us a better person. It, It really, truly does. And it sounds like that, that moment was also part of the process you described of like breaking yourself open or breaking open. Yeah. Yeah, it it absolutely changed me. I'm never going to forget that moment because that plane ride and then seeing that volcano just absolutely changed the the course of my life, I think. And that sounds super fucking dramatic, but it's it's absolutely true. Yeah, it's those little moments that are watershed moments and change the world for you. It totally changes what it looks like, what it feels like, how you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know, it's it's one of those things that looking back, I just I wish I could experience that moment over and over and over again, but I think there's no high quite like your first big travel experience and then everything after that kind of seems, you know, easier. I I think I lost the fear after that and I just want to shake people sometimes that say, Oh, I can never do that. I'm too scared. I'm too this. I I just want to fucking shake them and be like, no, you can. I promise you it's so good. Once you just get over that fear, get through the challenge, everything you want is on the other side of your fear. Like I, I'm a huge believer in that. And, you know, our time is so limited on this freaking earth. It's like, why do you want to spend it regretting not doing something or, you know, not taking the leap or that sort of thing. I just, 
Oh, I just think it's so hugely important to um, do something that scares us at least once in our life. What now that you're on the other side of that fear, if you could go back to yourself in the plane asking, why am I doing this? Why am I leaving my family? Like, how would, how would you answer that if you were on the other shoulder trying to tell you that it's good? I would have probably told myself that I need to remain open and I, I need to remember to breathe. I think breathing is such a huge part of it, as silly as that sounds. I feel like I would just have to like kind of laugh at myself, you know, in a nice way and and just try and explain everything that's happening is going to make you a better person. And because you get to do these things, you know, I'm, I'm a privileged person. I really am. And not everybody gets to do this and, and to just really take it for what it is and enjoy the moment just enjoy it. Even the scary parts. Yeah. I mean, not everyone gets to experience this and just try and remain open. Now to get to the actionable parts, if somebody wanted to get into the sort of the career path or the the job path that you're on, where would you steer them? Um, I would just research and, and kind of come up with a a goals list and what you want to do. I mean, do you want to do seasonal work like Alaska where you work your tail off in one place for a summer and then you have the rest of the season off to go explore, do whatever it is, or do you want to do something more like what I'm doing where I'm essentially working on a floating hotel? There's just so many different types of kind of, travel industry jobs out there. And there's a lot to research. And when it comes to working on cruise ships, I can't stress enough to people that they need to keep in mind that you are working every single day, unless you're a dancer or singer. And it's not going to be easy every day. It's going to be amazing though. And just kind of make the decision, okay, do I want to see a lot of places in sort of a short amount of time, or do I want to stay in a place for longer, but be able to do more with it later? Kind of like what you do where you get to work the Alaska season and that leaves the rest of winter and spring to kind of just fuck off and do whatever you want. And that might be more appealing to somebody. But for me personally, I think because I'm I'm in the industry where I'm used to moving around and waking up somewhere new every day. The thought of staying in one place for a long time actually freaks me out. But (laughs) you kind of have to weigh these things, right? And I think no matter what, you kind of get used to the lifestyle. um, Because I think the biggest benefit of this lifestyle is that there's an end. There's a goal that you're working towards. And there's an end date, I guess. So that really helps you kind of freaking just kill yourself while you're doing it and then get it done. And then you're free. And there's you're you're completing something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it is a feeling of accomplishment for sure. For the cruise industry, I was really lucky how I got into it. Like I mentioned earlier, I got in through my professor, but I know that there's websites that you can go to. Um, 
you can go to the actual cruise websites and basically apply there because they always have job openings. And even if they don't, they will keep your information on file um, in case they want to hire you at a later date. You kind of want to research what kind of cruises you're into. Do you want to work for a cruise line that is particularly, you know, rich older people, or do you want kind of a younger party cruise? I mean, there's cruises, there's a company called um, Uncruise Adventures, I believe, and they're steered more towards, well, adventures. So it's a smaller cruise, but they're more geared towards, you know, kayaking and taking people to these places and, and doing sports, basically, you know. Whereas some cruises are just for more relaxing or, you know, you can make it whatever you want, really. And then you have river cruises. So those, like it sounds, you go up rivers um, and those are going to be a lot smaller. So you can be on super small cruises or even yachts up to these ginormous cruise ships that are essentially working hotels that take you across the world. So you kind of want to narrow down your focus and decide what your goals are and then go from there. But definitely the best bet would be to just actually go to the websites of these companies and apply through there. I know for those of the people that are interested in this industry, uh, Virgin Cruises is coming out with a ship soon, if not already. And uh, so they'll be looking to hire people like crazy. And from what I've heard, that guy, Richard Branson's amazing and would be incredible to work for. So that's geared towards younger crowds as well. But yeah, definitely go to the actual websites of the companies. And then there's other websites, gosh, like indeed.com, for example, you can type in the, the keyword cruise ship um, or just cruise and see what pops up. And it's pretty amazing the jobs that you can find, because if you think about it, because these are essentially floating hotels, you have to think about, okay, well, what kind of jobs do hotels have? You know, they've got kitchen, they've got front of the house, back of the house, music. They even have, you know, ship officers. So the people that steer the ship, (laughs) Um, and ship engineers, the people that, you know, keep the ship running and fix the problems when they occur. So there's really a wide range of jobs available. You just kind of have to decide what it is you want to do. And also comparing the money, I think is a huge thing because I have friends that work on yachts and they absolutely kill themselves working on these little, these I shouldn't say little, but big yachts, private yachts for these usually rich or famous people. And it's extremely hard work, but they are making insane money. Whereas with my job, I work months at a time and I have a monthly wage basically, and I have no control over how much I make. So Basically, you get to decide, okay, do I want to work in the yacht industry where I do have control over how much money I make, or do I want to be 
on a ship where I kind of get, you know, set amount of money and set amount of work. That's another thing to kind of consider as well, I think. Uh, there's, oh, also, Joey, you probably know about it. There's the website coolworks.com. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've definitely heard of CoolWorks. We, we have a lot of like connections with CoolWorks. Oh, and awesome. I was at their, um, I gave a speech at their conference in November. Oh, that's right. Okay. Now it's coming back to me. Sorry that I forgot. <laughs> but it's an amazing resource. Like, so that's another place to look for seasonal, seasonal jobs. Yeah, their their website is just even if you're not looking for a job, if you're just looking to see what's out there, it's really cool to just scroll through, look at all the options, where and what you could be doing. And you know, if you if you just decided one day you're like, fuck it, I'm rolling the dice and you clicked one and followed it, how yeah. different life would be. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's just Biting the bullet, getting over that fear and, and just doing it, you know, making steps towards your goal. And it's really inspiring, um, you know, all these people in recent years that have basically quit the, the nine to five and they started working online or doing this or doing that so that they could travel full time. And I think it's amazing that people are more vocal about these things because it's allowing people to realize that, Oh, I can actually do, do this, or I I could actually pursue this lifestyle. It just takes a little bit of guts and a lot of work and you're in it, you know, next thing you know, you're living your dream life or planning your dream trip. And I think in the end, it, it just all becomes worth it. Yeah, my grandparents say all the time, they're like, this This just wasn't a thing that we knew to do when we were growing up. Like, this, was, this wasn't an option. And that pushes me constantly to just keep putting out the awareness that this is also an option. This is another viable option. And it's helped a lot of people that didn't find happiness in the typical way or the commonly understood way of, you know, going through life that I think, I think it's working out. That's a really good thing. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel the same. My grandparents actually were able to travel a little bit because he, my grandpa was in the army for a while. So they did get to sort of travel a bit, but it definitely wasn't a luxury. Most people had back then. And even I'd say it's worse for, you know, my parents era. I feel like they are the work hard Protestant work era type people that all they know is to work, 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 work. And then hopefully you retire and then maybe travel, (laughs) you know, it wasn't really something that they thought about as an option. It's, it's more of a, a luxury, I suppose. And I think it's incredible how things have kind of morphed in our generation where we kind of looked at that kind of work hard until you die. And we're just kind of taking it and saying, well, no, fuck that. I don't want to do that. You know? Um, Yeah. That doesn't sound like what I want to (laughs) do. There has to be an, an alternative. Well, what's really interesting is that 
I don't know about you, but I, I have a lot of people in my life, uh, typically that are at home who genuinely don't have the desire or the innate feeling of needing to travel. And it honestly kind of blows my mind. And I've tried to research into it before because it's one of those things that's absolutely just boggled me. And just thinking how, like, why wouldn't you want to go see all these places that you see on the TV or go see the Eiffel Tower at midnight when it shoots off its lights and it's blinking or, you know, I, I try and look at it with an open mind because basically as far back as I can remember, I've always wanted to travel. And I think to hear that people don't care if they do is kind of astounding to me, but we need those people and we need us as well to kind of keep the world going around. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I have my friend, Andrew, he told me one time he's, they were talking about where they were going to go for their honeymoon and they mentioned Korea and he was like, I just don't, need to travel i don't i don't understand like why why i'd want to or i don't i don't want to and it struck me at the time because i just just like you you were saying i that just it's like what what how how is that something that you're not interested in you know and i'm i'm sure we'll talk about it someday we have we haven't built andrew and i haven't really gotten to the full conversation it was just something he said but i'm realizing now that there there are more people like that than I thought I, I always kind of took it just as, you know, everybody at some point wants to travel. It's just, they put it off until they're, they have some safety net or they're, they're happy with where they are. And then they're like, oh, I'll try this other place. And yeah, I'm finding it more and more. It's, that's not, their traveling is not something they're interested in. They just want to know where they are. Yeah. It's, it's just so interesting to me because and I'm sure you can relate. Anyone that's traveled enough can relate that. I mean, the the more you go places, the more you realize how small you are in this world. And that alone is the biggest life lesson I think I've learned is, you know, there's more than just the bubble that you're living in. And it's a really powerful experience to go out and experience different cultures and put yourself out there and make yourself vulnerable and look at things from a global perspective rather than, you know, the news that's playing in your living room. And I just, I wish I could force people to go places, you know, (laughs) but I don't think that would be very beneficial because if you make someone do something that they don't really want to do, they're probably not going to see the benefits in it. But I just think that, I don't know, you, it's just such a powerful experience and it really gets rid of stereotypes and the bigotry and, you know, prejudice that, that we see these days. And I don't want to get into politics at all, but, you know, just watching the news and the the sort of picture that they paint for us of the world. And I, I, I just get really bothered sometimes that some people are just kind of okay with that, that they don't actually want to go and experience for themselves what these places are really like. I think my my dad is one of those people actually I can talk about because he and my mom grew up in a very, very small town and they have absolutely just worked their 
their asses off their entire lives. And I really think that because I started traveling to all these faraway places, it's made them travel because they want to come visit me or they want to, um, well, basically, yeah, just come visit me. And in return, I get to see them and their eyes light up when they're experiencing these other cultures and these things that they didn't know existed before or that, you know, coffee really does taste better in Italy. <laughs> you know, I, I just love that I get to watch them have these experiences and I get to kind of see their minds crack open as they're letting in these experiences and just growing from it. And, you know, once upon a time, I think they may have been people that didn't really see themselves traveling or ever really leaving Washington very much, except for, you know, the occasional Mexico trip. But, you know, now they've been to Europe, they've been to visit me when I lived in South Korea, they are open to going to places that they never thought that they would go. And being open-minded about it instead of living in this bubble here where they remain sort of small-minded. And it's just an incredible experience to have and to watch them go through. And God, I don't know. Travel really does change people. And I think you could definitely relate to that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you you've learned a lot from traveling. It sounds like they're, they're learning lessons as they follow you to those places as well. What is a lesson that you learned home or growing up that helps you navigate cruise ship life or when you're traveling now? You know, growing up, I've learned that nothing is, is sort of one-sided. That's helped me a lot because on the ship, you really have to remain open to things and experiences and people and different cultures and just knowing that there's different sides to everything that you're looking at. And also, you know, my dad has really instilled this belief in me that we really do only live once. So fuck it. And he says it to me all the time. And I never really thought about it much. I was just like, Oh, my dad's really cool, you know, YOLO, but it really instilled in me this sort of feeling that anywhere I go, I want to take full advantage of it and I want to remain open and like, we really do only live once. So fuck it, like go and have the best time and just be open to everything. And, um, that's definitely helped me in my travels and cruising because I've seen a lot of people who are brand new to ships and they don't know what to expect. They have no idea that they're going to be surrounded by so many different types of people and it's scary. And I think it, it derails them quite a bit. So to kind of go in with an open mind and, being adaptable and flexible, that has definitely helped me so much in in many regards to traveling and uh, working on cruise ships. How do you approach social media 
is it just like second nature? You kind of do it, you know, whenever, or is it deliberate when you do it? Do you use it to record your experiences or do you think of it more as like an indirect communication tool? Oh man, this is like, that's, that's a good question. Um, this is something I actually really struggle with. And I think a, a lot of people do actually is <laughs> the way social media has sort of taken travel and it, it really makes me struggle with when I want to post something, uh, on my Instagram, that's kind of the main platform that I use because one, one side of me is, you know, wanting to take these photos and share it with my friends and especially my family about these experiences, because in my head, I want to be helpful to people that want to travel and sort of be an, uh, I hate the word influence, but I want to show people things are possible and, you know, look at this beautiful city, look at this, look at this, or, but I think it's just absolutely gotten blown out of proportion, out of control on social media. And in the past couple of years, it's, it's really made me question whether I post or not, because I don't want it to come off the wrong way. I don't want it to seem like I'm living this, you know, fantasy life, which I know to some people I am, but I think it kind of has this way of portraying that travels just this amazing thing and there no, nothing bad can happen and blah 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 but the reality is is you know these really are people's highlight reels and i think that's where i struggle with it is because i don't want people to think that i'm only living my best life because i mean i am living my best life but there's all those crazy in between times as well and you know, feeling isolated and feeling lonely. And those are very real feelings. So for a lot of these um, people on Instagram, they just, I don't know, they're just portraying travel as this kind of luxurious, you know, experience without really talking about the shitty things that can happen as well. And and I think I if know. they do, one thing that I've noticed is kind of like, I don't know, if it, it's a little icky my my friend Ryan coined the term I think but it's called basically curated vulnerability where they they show that other side if you know if they have that thought and they show that other side but it's it's just so sort of it's curated you know they do it on purpose yeah. they're they're showing you that aspect or only a little bit of it you look at it and you're like, okay, there, there is that other side, but the way that you're showing it to me is weird, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's how it feels. It's, there's a, a person I follow on Instagram and I, I really enjoy her posts because she'll straight up say, like she'll post a, you know, what we deem as a sexy photo of herself. And then underneath it, it'll be like, I'm literally only posting this photo to get your fucking attention. And I think that, it's so, uh, like you're saying, I don't know. It's just really funny to me, these kind of curated um, vulnerability posts, but then it's underneath a photo of them looking off into the distance as they're sailing on a private yacht or, you know, and to be completely fucking honest, I am absolutely guilty of it. 
I don't realize I'm doing it at the time because I really am trying to be open. But then I look at the photo that I'm posting and I'm thinking, oh man, I really am. This is looking like all the other photos people post. And I feel like there's really no way to be unique anymore. (laughs) Um, And this is definitely a trend that I'm seeing. And I think people are trying to be unique now with this curated vulnerability, but it's still them posting these photos that someone else is going to post almost an identical photo of and say an identical thing. And they really are just trying to get attention and more followers and beat the Instagram algorithm. So I don't know all of this. I struggle with a lot. I mean, there's, there's some days where I just want to delete the app altogether and I can only see the negative side of it. And then there's other days where I'm going through Instagram and I'm feeling absolutely inspired or uh, creative. And I think that's the sole reason I, I hold on to the app is, well, that my mom would kill me. She wants to know, well, all of my family wants to know what I'm doing at all times. So that's <laughs> honestly the best way for me to kind of keep everyone, you know, in the loop. And at the same time, though, I think, I, I mean, I hope that it's not kind of showing off um, my lifestyle. But I don't know. How do you feel about it? Because I noticed that you you travel a lot. You have all these crazy experiences, but you're really not a big poster. Yeah. So I, I mean, the reason I asked is because I think you do it so well. You post enough that it's, it's like, oh, she's over here. She's doing this. She's, you know, going back home or she's going to visit friends over here. And it's, you know, you show a little clip into the, the life that you're living. And I think that's a a good way of doing it. And I, it's always, I think a good thing when I, when I see your posts and on my side, it's, I, I have that same thing. My people back home are like, Oh, post more. I want to see where you're at and all that. Or when I do, I'll, I'll get a comment like six months later when I'm back somewhere and they'll be like, Oh, I saw that you traveled here and here. That was super cool. Like, what'd you think? And so this winter I was like, I'm going to do it better. And, (laughs) but then I got behind and then I got really behind. And so I was like, all right, well, I'll just batch it all, you know, like a month or two after I've done this thing. That way it's, I'm not thinking about it in the moment, but I also am giving the people what they want, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really bad at it in that respect, but I, you know, it's, it's a, it's a give and take. It's a really complex and difficult problem I think especially now because it's a lot of people have been really successful with it and it's another route of letting something take over your life and it I don't post a lot but I try to at least show people what I'm doing in case they have questions or you know if if they're sort of on the fence or you know maybe I can get somebody to think about something that they wouldn't have but on the other side because I'm not posting more often like I missed an incredible opportunity when I was in Thailand because my buddy Lewis shout out to Lewis. Uh, he was in <laughs> Thailand the whole time I was, and we didn't know it because oh, no. he didn't post. I didn't post. And Lewis is 
one of my favorite people in the world. And if I knew he was in Thailand, I would like immediately go wherever he was or like try to meet up immediately. And it wasn't until the day before I left that I saw he posted a story, which was a repost of somebody he was with and he was in Thailand. And I messaged him. I was like, dude, are you in Thailand? He's like, yeah, I've been here, you know, for two or three weeks. And I was like, oh no, because I had been there. (laughs) It was almost a month. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And I looked, I looked it up and it's like, it would have cost me like 200 bucks to see him for six hours before I left. Like I would have flown there, flown back and then flown home. Right. And I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe we missed each other in like for this. Cause we, we had always, we'd talked about Thailand together so much before. And we, we met up for new years in Europe one time and like all this stuff. So it was just like, it was heartbreaking. And also he was supposed to visit me in Alaska this year. But the yeah. day that he was supposed to come in, the ferries went on strike. And so he couldn't make it. And they didn't go, they didn't come off a strike until he had decided like, oh, he, he couldn't wait, you know. And so he just went went to Mexico or South America. And it was like, we've missed each other so many times. And this is just another one. And it was like heartbreaking. Oh, no. And if if I or him would have posted more on social media, we would have got to hang out and see each other but we didn't so it's oh, yeah. Uh, yeah it's <laughs> there's there's all <laughs> sides of this one you know I can totally relate to that and I will say that social media has absolutely kept me connected to people and I've had that instance happen where somebody will watch my story or see my post and they'll be like oh my god you're here right now I'm also here let's meet up or whatever it may be and it's such an incredible feeling because it's like, if I didn't do this, I wouldn't have known and this situation wouldn't have happened. And now I'm having the best time ever because I randomly got to meet up with this human that I freaking love. And it's just, it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I can totally, totally relate to what you just said. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, it was, it was heartbreaking. So I think I, I try to do a little better. I'm going to have to try to even do even better than that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I I feel you on that. I'm currently assessing where I stand with, uh, with Instagram at the moment, because on one hand, I really want to be this sort of human catalyst of happiness for people and kind of spark, you know, the fire and in, in people to go and do these things and do that through my, posts, I suppose. But then other days I feel like, what's the fucking point of this? You know? And I'm, I'm just kind of struggling with it a bit because I currently am on a, a 11, no wait, 10 week long vacation from cruising and I'm going on, you know, three different trips. And to a lot of people that's excessive, (laughs) but that's just kind of my life. And I just keep thinking like, God, do I want to put it out there? Like, oh man, I was just in Hawaii and San Diego and now I'm going to Bali and then I'll be in Mexico. And I just don't want it to come off wrong. But I ultimately overall just kind of don't give a fuck what people think because if they don't know me, they don't know me. And if they do know me, they know that I'm not posting these things to cause any sort of jealousy or 
ill feelings towards anyone or me or, you know, so I don't know. Yeah. This whole social media thing is kind of a bit of a struggle. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think, I think you do it incredibly well. And thank you. This, this time off that you're talking about, I, I think you, you should keep sharing it because, you know, if somebody looks at it, like you said, in any negative way, then they don't know you. But for some people that do know you, that know you're as successful as you are and that you work as hard as you do to, you know, be in the position you're in, you know, they might, they might need to see that. And I think everybody that isn't doing what we're doing, but could be better served by that, which is not everyone, but some people are misaligned for the work that they're doing, like you showing that or, you know, anyone showing that you can do it and be successful, you know, and that you're working hard. I think, I think if they see that enough times or in the right way, then they can decide that that's for them, or at least to give it a try to make sure that, you know, it is or isn't. And so I think it's absolutely, yeah, you just nailed it on the head. And I have a lot of friends that they leave a comfortable lifestyle they leave their bubble to go either work abroad or seasonal work or whatever it may be. And they do it for a year, maybe two. And they, they decide, okay, that was enough. And at least they did it. At least they found out that, okay, maybe this isn't for me. And I think with this line of work and this industry, you really find out what your limitations are and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's it's a good thing in the sense that we learn what we're good at and what we're bad at. <laughs> and if we just suck at being away from our bubbles or whatever it may be, then okay. But hey, at least we found out and we're not going to regret ever not trying. You know, it takes a lot of balls to kind of, you know, leave things behind and chase after something so i don't know and worst case scenario you've got a great story and you got to try some really good food (laughs) exactly and drink all the wine and all the beer (laughs) (laughs) and the coffee in italy yes and the coffee in italy (laughs) so is there anything else you want me to ask you or anything you wanted to go over before we ended no just um Travel, travel as often as you can, even if it's just once. And I don't know, just love your life. You know, we are the creators of our life. And I think people lose sight of that. You don't have to be stuck. You don't have to feel stuck. And, you know, just remember that everything that you want is on the other side of your fear. Great. Well, thank you so much, Miranda. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. That's it. That's the episode. The seasonals are Kelly Mogg, Ryan Deininger, me, Joey Ravinsky. The theme song by Ryan Deininger, Joe Williams, Louis Leva, Chappie, Thomas Hamilton. Follow us on Instagram at the seasonals underscore. Like us on Facebook. Listen to our next episode. That's it. We're out. Yeah.